It's Driving Change from ATI. I'm Jeff Berman. This podcast was created to improve our members' experience and to further assist with their growth. My hope is that you'll find the stories you hear from fellow shop owners relatable to where you are, where you were, or where you want to be. Ultimately inspiring you to take that next necessary step. You'll be hearing how others fought the same fight and what they did to get through it and come out better on the other side. Tune in each month for another inspiring story to drive change in your shop. Well, welcome back, everybody, and thanks for joining me and Mitch Schneider. Mitch Schneider here with me on Driving Change here at ATI. It has been a really interesting week for us. We just got back from our big conference in Puerto Rico. I had the largest conference we've ever had. Mitch, I'm sorry you weren't able to attend. We did miss you. I'm sorry I couldn't go. I'm sure you had, you know. We arranged our vacations around Super Conference. Mm, I see. You couldn't vacation in Puerto Rico, huh? Uh, no, no, I, I'm still too close to the transplant. So I'm... I got it. Well, I totally understand it. We definitely missed you. So anyway, it was a great conference. And for those of you that are listening that were there, maybe you can put something in the comments about how great it was. And, and uh, maybe I'll see the rest of you there at some point in the future. We're going to uh, Texas this coming year, next March. So keep that in mind. All right. So with that said, Mitch and I are here to talk about something today. We want to kind of kick off our series that we talked about earlier and and start with what we're calling pre-contact. So, Mitch, why don't you kick us off here? Yeah, I think I think that all of these discussions sort of start out with three words. Do you know? You know, do you know how people wound up standing at your counter? Do you know how they found you? What they had to go through? whether they were referred by a family member or a friend or a business associate, or they just drove past and the curb appeal of your shop was just so powerful that they couldn't resist coming in when they had a, a problem or needed service. Do you know? Do you want to know? I mean, th- that's a very important question to ask yourself. How much about all of this are you so interested in finding out that you're willing to go ahead and, and deal with whatever pain is associated with the knowledge that, that you gain. And I think that's really important. I think it's, it's critically important for you to know that and you to understand um, the psychology of service, especially from the perspective of your customers and clients, motorists, customers, and clients. I've always divided that group of individuals, all the people with cars and trucks out there into three groups, motorists, which is the majority, obviously customers. Those are people that come to you for service maintenance and repair and clients. Those are the very special people. Those are the evangelists that go out and proselytize for you. If an evangelist has sent somebody in, they've already spent a lot of time trying to convince whoever that person is that there's no other place to go. Jeff and I were talking at some length before we decided to go online. And what we were talking about was fairly interesting. And it's the awareness that's that's necessary to begin a journey 
developing service that's so great, that's so profoundly incredible, that you become the standard by which everyone else is judged. And, and perhaps I can, I can help give you an example of, of this that, that you'll understand from your own personal experience. Many of you already know that, that I was diagnosed with bone marrow cancer, uh, terminal, chronic, um, incurable. Obviously, the incurable part wasn't 100% accurate because I was able to qualify for a, a bone marrow stem cell transplant and uh, save my life and gives me the opportunity to come here and share my knowledge and experience with all of you. I was treated at the City of Hope, which is one of the 10 best hospitals in the United States for cancer, certainly one of the most incredible places I've ever been. I've never experienced medical treatment or medicine the way it's practiced at the City of Hope. For me, they have become the standard by which everybody else is judged. And for me, I, I drive 55 miles to go there, knowing that I could get treated anywhere, uh, one of a number of places, including five of the other best hospitals in the country, because the quality of service and the care is so profound. So the, the question becomes, do you in your shop create an atmosphere where customer care is so thick, is so profound, so powerful, is so good that once somebody experiences that, they're spoiled? and they don't want to go anywhere else. They just don't want to go anywhere else. Now, don't misunderstand me. I can almost guarantee you that at some point in time, the longer they're with you, despite the fact that they know that you give them the best service ever, they're going to sneak out and find out if somebody else is better somewhere else. You know, that's going to happen. And I don't know about you, but I used to revel when that happened because they'd come back. Now, they wouldn't come back for a while because after they left and found and got service somewhere else, they were embarrassed to come back. But sooner or later, they had to come back because they knew that if they wanted their car fixed properly, if they wanted it done right, if they wanted it done on time, there were certain things that, that they missed enough to go ahead and deal with the humiliation of having gone somewhere else. And, you know, Mitch, can I interject one thing real quick? Sure. I, is, there's a saying that I, I use in, in the marketing class, which is, you can't miss what you haven't experienced, right? Profound. So thinking about what you just said, right? If I've been doing business with you for 10 years, I don't know what service really is in the automotive world. It's been so long, I can't remember that, right? So, you know, I end up in someone else's bay and it's usually by mistake, like it's Sunday or closed and I need help, right? And so here I am in that bay and I get an experience that's subpar. It's going to force me to run back to you and, and, you know, kind of renew their vows, so to speak, and fall in love again. But if it's better than what I've experienced, it's going to make me question why I've been doing business with you for so long. And it doesn't take much for that to happen if your shop doesn't perform on the kind of level that we're talking about here, mm -hmm. which is, you know, the kind that makes you the standard, you know, with a very, very high bar, right? One of the things that I used to enjoy most when somebody would come back <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed to say this, is listening to them tell me 
about how bad the service was somewhere else. <laughs> it's got to feel good. In, you know, and, I'm, and you've got to be empathetic and you've got to be, you know, compassionate to some degree. And in the back of your mind, there's this real that's going. It's like, well, well, how dumb could you be? I mean, you know, how, why did you do that? And why are you telling me about it? It's just like, do you realize how idiotic this sounds? But the fact of the matter is, you've got to do that. But you can't do it unless you have some idea of what's going on around you and what other shops are doing. And unless you're willing to go ahead and, and figure out a way to do the reconnaissance necessary to find that out, you're going to be in trouble. Because when I say, do you know, the answer is obviously going to be, no, not really. It's a guess, right? And it's and it's a it's a guess that's not based on fact. It's a based on just on super you know supposition, which can be very I mean, is is very dangerous when you don't know what you don't know, and you're making judgment calls that are going to go ahead and affect you and your business and everybody that's associated with it. So it becomes really important for you to do that. We used to mystery shop other shops. I used to take my car into other shops to see how that you know how i would be treated to see you know obviously how to go out of the community i couldn't do that in my community because i was fairly after 37 years i was pretty well known in the community but the fact of the matter is even outside the community you need to figure out what's going on around you before you judge how well you're doing how well you're doing in comparison to what you know if you're not doing that if you're not calling other shops or if you're not going to other shops or if you're not seeing how you're greeted you know on drop off you don't you don't see how well you're greeted when you walk in the front door whether you're ignored or whether somebody makes a genuine effort to say hi how are you i'm here to help you you know i used to answer the telephone hi schneider's automotive mitch here i can help you i used to tell them i can help them and they'd say and some people every once in a while would say well how can you say that how can you say you can help me? You don't even know what I need yet. I say, I can say that because I know I want to help you. That's why we're here. That's our purpose. Mm -hmm. So you have to figure out what your purpose is based upon on your purpose. You have to figure out what sacrifices you're willing to make in order to ensure that you have the best shop that you can possibly create. Recognizing that it's a journey, recognizing that it's not going to be the best shop that it can possibly be tomorrow or the next day, but it can be better tomorrow than it was today. But you have to know what direction you're going in, in to do that and what areas there are. And it's important to understand that when you talk about ADA, awareness, interest, desire, action, which is probably the single most important marketing axiom there is. And it's taught in many different ways without using the actual acronym. But the fact of the matter is somebody has to be aware of your existence before they choose to take advantage of your services. They have to have some idea what services they are. And they're going to do that, as I said earlier, either by driving by and being saying, you know, that shop is cleaner than any other shop I think I've ever seen. Or, you know, by things they've seen in the local newspaper about some charity event that you put on or at uh, a business, some, some communities have a business uh, fair and you know your shop might be represented there. I know plenty of shops aren't. 
then you got to ask yourself, why aren't you there? Uh, why aren't you helping people become aware of who you are? Do you have an elevator pitch? Do is, is there anything that you know? I I know I'm the most expensive shop in town, but people come to me because. Have you thought about that? Do you know why your customers come to you? Do you know what the perception is of your shop in the community that you serve? We were always considered to be one of the more expensive shops in town. That was fine. It kept the riffraff out. You know, it, it worked for me. Uh, it certainly eliminated the number of price shoppers that I had to deal with, which I was not terribly patient with in the first place. But I, I think all of these things are important. So you have to be aware of how you are perceived in order to be aware. And, and, and there's, a, there's another side to that sword. There's another side to that coin. You have to be aware of how you're perceived, but you have to be aware of how you are, right? You have to be honest and aware of how you are and how you look and how everything is, is put together. Um, you talked about curb appeal. It never worked for me to just look at the shop. If I, if I wanted to find out how we were doing, and, and especially when I wanted to really get aggravated, I would take pictures and then blow them up. You know, take pictures of the inside of the shop, take pictures of the inside of the, the customer waiting area, and take pictures of what it looked like driving down the street towards the shop. We had all kinds of problems with our own shop, personally, because we lived in a community that had really strict sign ordinances. And I couldn't have more than, I think it was eight or 10 or 12 feet of, of signage on the shop. And that, and that made it difficult. So do, do you know what it looks like looking at it through someone else's eyes? Are you willing to go ahead and deal with the pain of, of admitting that it doesn't look as good as it could? Are you willing to go ahead and recognize that it could use a coat of paint? Do you really understand how important that sign is? And if it says to the motorist that's coming in there, you know, what you want, what the message is that you, you want to put out in the community, that you're welcome here. We want to help you. We understand that we're here to serve. You know, do you have an elevator pitch? Ours was really simple. The needed work done well, finished on time, at a fair price, all work guaranteed. You know, it's, it pretty much said it all, right? It pretty much said everything that you needed to say. And those things are important. And it's, it, I've been in a lot of shops in my life, uh, much to my wife's chagrin. We used to stop in at shops all across the country whenever we were on vacation, especially when it was a driving vacation, especially when I had my own car, when I wasn't driving a rental. And you would be surprised that it, I don't care how good your shop is or how bad your shop is. There are shops out there that are better and there are shops out there that are far worse. Um, I've been in shops that I walked through the door sideways. I've been in shops where I wouldn't sit down on the couch because if I sat down on the couch, I would have to go ahead and push the German shepherd out of the way and try and go ahead and brush off as much of the dog hair as I, as I had to. And then wanted to put a floor mat down so when I sat down, my pants wouldn't be ruined. Um, knowing that most of the most of the vehicles that are brought in for service today are brought in by women. So can you imagine what it's like for you? Is that someplace you would send your wife or your mother? Would they feel comfortable there? 
Are they being talked down to? Listen, little lady. Mm-hmm. Let me take care of this. You wouldn't understand. You know, you know, something comes to mind as you say that, Mitch. Just want to quickly add something else I've thought about over the years of being involved in this whole customer service side of the industry is very often I'll notice that while we do understand that we should have certain things we do and say and how we do it, most of the time we go about our business day really just kind of winging it, right? It's just kind of, I open the door, I, you know, customer shows up, we open our mouths, things come out, we just talk. We don't really necessarily have any structure to it. And what I found was, is that we could very easily structure most of the interaction to put a term on it, 80% of what we discuss with a customer, with a parts vendor, even with each other, should be to some level choreographed. And 20% of it's improv, right? Because I'm listening to what they have to say. They're, they're talking about, you know, we're, we're really good with the car stuff, right? You know, services, recommended, denied, you know, documented for next time, all those things. We're good with that. But when I say I can't do it today because that because is the personal piece and that part gets ignored. And that's the piece that we really need to focus on the choreography of like, you know, someone just mentioned that their kids headed to college and, you know, they need their car for a specific reason. We see them again. Do we ask about the kid in college? No, we we didn't document that. We just focused on getting the service done so they could go. Right. So I'm listening to what you're saying. And the simple, subtle thing of, you know, do you understand that, ma'am? You know, or how we may say it really is just because we're winging it and we didn't really put a structure in place. Well, I think I, that, that's 100% correct, by the way. I, I really agree with that wholeheartedly. But th- th- if, you, if you boil it all down, I, I think one of the mistakes that we make is we talk a lot about customer service, right? We talk about customer service all the time. And I think we're making a mistake when we talk about customer service. What we should be talking about is customer experience, mm-hmm. right? The, the experience a customer has, because it's much, much wider, much broader, much deeper than just the act of providing an act that's beneficial to someone, which is what the definition of, of service really is, right? The experience goes way beyond that. It's, it's what are you doing as a shop owner? What are your advisors doing to make that person want to come back? To make them want to come back when they leave, to make them want to come back before they leave. And I think that that's, that's lost. That's lost in not appreciating the why of everything we do. We, we started out with checklists in the early 80s before, they were, before we were doing vehicle inspections. We were doing checklists. And one of the reasons that we did the checklists was to ensure that everything that got done on that part of the ins- inspection was done. And a lot of people, a lot of technicians would rebel against that almost instantly because of the structure that you were talking about before. But one of the things we did is we said, listen, there are boxes here that information needs to be filled in. 
you have to fill that information in because I need that information to make an intelligent decision. I need that information to do the analysis and evaluation to create a diagnosis to do an estimate. Because I can't do an estimate until I've done all of these other things. But you don't have to do them and you don't have to be a robot. As long as they get done and you have another way of doing them so that I have all the information I need, you can be as creative as you want. You're the one who has to furnish the information. And it's no difference when it comes to customer care. I don't want to have somebody standing at the customer that's giving me back. I mean, I might as well call India and, you know, with a technical service problem because to get somebody to read a script. Right. Or, you know, call the Philippines and get somebody to read me back a script. I don't I don't need that. I, I need to get my question answered. Right. And in order to be able to answer that question, I, I, I th that why, why, why are we doing it this way has to be really deeply ingrained in whoever works with you. And that's another thing. I, I, I don't want to digress, but anybody in this industry that thinks that they have people that are working for them really needs a reality check, probably some professional help. <clears throat> Nobody in your organization works for you. They work for themselves. They work through you to achieve their own goals and objectives. And if you don't know what they are, then you're way behind the eight ball when it comes to, to finding good people and keeping them. And it's no different when we talk about clients, right? If you don't know what their wants, needs, and expectations are, and you aren't capable or prepared to address those wants, needs, and expectations and manage them almost perfectly, you're not going to create the kind of environment that Jeff and I are talking about right now, where you become the standard by which everyone else is judged, right? Because nobody else is going to take the time to do that. I used to tell my kids, and, I, and I've said this in, in the podcast before, I used to tell my kids all the time, with a modicum of effort, you will succeed by default, right? With the slightest bit of effort, you will succeed by default because nobody else is willing to do the things that you need to do in order to be great. You know, wow. success comes from doing things that people that are not successful are not willing to do or don't even, are not even aware need to be done. So, you know, we're very fortunate. Jeff, I don't, I don't, I don't know if Jeff and I really recognize how, how fortunate we are in that we're a step ahead because you're ATI members to begin with. So you've already, you've already done this. You've become aware. You got interested, right? The desire was created and you took action. And hopefully you're reaping the, you know, the rewards of that effort. But you have to appreciate the fact that it's ongoing. It doesn't stop and it changes. It keeps developing. It keeps uh, um, morphing into, into a more beautiful garden with many more different kinds of blossoms. And, and those are the things that you need to be aware of as you start to move along this journey to success and this idea of awareness. What are you doing? What are you creating that differentiates you from every one of your competitors you are you aware of that you know how many of your competitors do the same thing the same way you've always done it because that's the way they they learned how to do it and what do you have to do to be extraordinary i mean think about the word just for a, for a second just think about the word extraordinary right extraordinary so what do you have to do in order to be in that class how how much of an adventurer do you need to become 
to venture out of the shop and start looking around at what's going on in your neighborhood, in your area, and what you have to do to command the kind of reward that you deserve for the quality of service you're willing to deliver. And you insist that you insist on delivering. You know, the, the thing that's interesting, if, if, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about another, actually stop. I want you to stop for a minute. I want you to think about shops in your area. I don't care where you are. I don't know where you are. It's one of the great fascinations of doing this. I want you to think about all the shops in your area and think about the one shop that you aspire to be like. The one shop that gets $20 more an hour than you do. The one shop that has a reputation that is just stainless. It's just absolutely sparkling. And what it would take to give them a run for their money. What it would be, what it would take to get in their game. Now I'll tell you, I'll tell you there are plenty of shops that'll look at them and think that they're crooks mm. and they're no good. And probably that their customers, their clients are stupid because they're paying so much more for the same thing. But is it the same thing? Are they really paying for the same thing? I would suggest to you no, they're paying for more than that. They're paying for something that's worth far more than the repair of a broken car. They're not only paying for the repair of a broken car, they're paying for the repair of a broken person because their confidence is, is being returned to them in the vehicle that they need so desperately to get from point A to point B or the one that they love to drive on Saturday that, that they want everybody in the neighborhood to look at and give them a thumbs up because it's so cool. Whatever the, whatever the reason is, do you want to get in the game? And get back to that, that, that whole idea of, of do you, do you know? Do you know what it takes? And are you willing to make the subtle changes? And, and, and I say subtle changes because if you do too much too fast, you're going to screw it up. You know, Mitch, I, I wonder, when you think about that shop, that excels above all others that you mentioned, right? It's shop on the Golden Hill. That one, right? Do you think that this is a shop that is trying to do the best with every possible customer or do they know what their niche is and they're not trying to be everything to everybody, right? Meaning that I'm not trying to make every single car my or every single motorist my customer. I know what my ideal customer looks like and that's what I'm trying to attract. That's that it. And you have to be selective and you have to have the courage to say no in a nice way, perhaps even to the point where you suggest somebody else to do that repair in your community because they're better suited to do it than you are without the fear of losing the customer because you've created that shop on the hill or you're in the process of doing it. I mean, we had somebody come out to the house. We had a workman come out to the house. We wanted him to do some work and he went ahead and did that work. And I asked him if he would be willing to give me an estimate on something else here in the house about something to do with kitchen cabinets. And he looked me in the eye and he said, you know, he says, I really don't do that. He says, I'm not good at it. And, you know, I, I, I'd really feel better if I give you a couple of names of people that I know, colleagues that are far better at it than I am. So his place in my general esteem went way up. Yep. Honest. Honest, straightforward. And, and he knows what he knows. He knows yep. what he's good at. 
And he knows that if he does something, he's not here. Here's the, the caveat. He knows that if he does something that he's not good at, it's going to take longer, cost more, and the result is not going to be as good. What does that do to the bar we're talking about of reaching that bar? What's, what, and how much, how much extra time is going to be involved in managing that relationship well enough to keep you at a small claims court? Because that's how many how staff really it. understand that, Mitch? Hmm? That, you know, they are still trying to just, it's a car, it's important, and not realizing, you know what, this particular car may not be my customer, and that's okay, right? You know, if I am going to be the best, I mean, look, if you want to be Walmart, that's fine. Be Walmart. But even Walmart has a niche. They know who their customer is, right? So if, but if you want to be that, that, you know, shop on the hill, you got to act that way. You got to perform that way. And you can't compromise your own integrity and the things that you know matter because you're trying to get this person in the door too that really doesn't belong. That's okay. Not everyone's going to the Ritz-Carlton. Well, I mean, it, not everybody can. You know, not everybody can. And, and, and that's fine. You want, you, you want clients that are going to respond to the environment that you create, you, which is a mirror of your personality. It's a mirror of your values. It's, a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a mirror of your principles as a human being, because everybody in that organization is a reflection of who you are. That's why they're there. They're responding to you. They're allowing you to lead them because they trust you, right? You know, when you, when you start to build processes that are required to get to be that shop on the hill that we keep talking about, you, you've got to recognize that, that everybody in your organization has to understand the why behind all of these different things that you're going to start doing differently, right? And one of the ways to do that, and, and it's, it's going to be painful, but it's going to be fun in some respects. Why don't you just take a couple of weeks or take a week for each person to do somebody else's job? Take a week, bring one of your technicians up on the service counter to let them know how hard it is to write service, greet customers, answer the phones, estimate a, shot, a, a job, call and orchestrate the parts, Walk in their moccasins for a bit, right? Yeah, and have everybody do that. And, and have, the, have the service advisor go out in the shop. If you can't fix cars, you know, which would be great, you're not going to have them necessarily fix cars, but let them get an idea how hot it is out there. You know, we, we spoke with a couple the last time we were together, um, which is, you know, on a podcast episode that's still being processed, with a couple who has an air-conditioned an air garage. Now, I know that when you say that, there are people in this audience that are going, what? An air-conditioned garage? Yeah, an air-conditioned garage, because wherever he is, it might be humid, might be hot, might be dry. You know, this business that it's a dry heat, you put six cars in a six-bay garage and have them all running, temperature is going to be about 130 degrees if you don't do something to cool it down. So, you know, what things are you willing to do? What investments are you willing to make in the kind of future that you deserve? And do you believe you deserve it? 
because you're not going to do anything until you you have it in your mind that yeah i'm worth it you know it, these are things that are critically important and and it goes without <laughs> i keep saying it goes without saying but it doesn't go without saying <clears throat> otherwise we wouldn't be saying it <laughs> you know it, we we want our goal is to create the interest you know the awareness the interest the desire and the action that's going to take to get you to have the best life that you can possibly have we know it's possible jeff knows it's possible he sees it every day i know it's possible because i went from the <laughs> i went from the pit to the pinnacle you know in many respects and i i retired when i was 72 because i had to because of the cancer uh was medically forced uh retirement uh, and I, I would, I still, much to my wife's chagrin, still would entertain the idea of getting back into the business again, because of what I realized after I left the business, after I created enough distance between me and the everyday to recognize what I could have done differently and what I could have done better, you know, given a second opportunity to do that. And the worst thing that'll happen is if you're successful and you create that shop on the hill, I'm sure with the help of ATI and, and great coaches like Jeff and everybody else there, they'll teach you how to run an MSO, a multiple shop operation, so you can run more than one. If you want that, sure. Yeah, if, if that's what you want. Absolutely. What else you got, Jeff? I mean, that that I think that caps it off, right? We brings us to a closing period here. And yeah, I wonder if maybe there's some last minute words of wisdom we could sprinkle on. And I'll, I'll, I'll throw this out there that, and you touched on this earlier, but I think this is a good place to leave this, which is, you know, we all have a customer service experience that we compare all others to. In our minds, you know, that vacation with this particular thing, or that, that coffee shop that always takes good care of me, or that you know, shoe store that I go to or that restaurant or whatever it might be, it's, you know, it's, it's in our minds as all others pale in comparison to that. And what I would suggest is after listening to this podcast that you think to yourself, what can I do to be the experience that all others are compared to? So as you listen to what we talked about here and you think about those experiences, what are those exceptional experiences in your life? What is it that was done? How, were, how did you feel from what was done? And what can you do to implement something similar to that in your own business so that you can now replace that experience with your own? I think if, if our listeners are willing to just think about that for a while and, and, and accept that and take baby set steps towards that, I, th I think the response that they're going to receive, they're going to see the difference immediately. I really believe that, especially if we're talking about customer, customer experience. Um, That's where that loyalty that you mentioned comes from, right? I think maybe we should close with, with, with one, one other thing here. And, that, and that's that we were always talking about, about, you know, CRM, right? Customer relationship management, as if we're, managing the relationship the customer has with us. What we're really doing, a lot of companies have stopped using that term. 
a lot of companies today are using the term customer experience management, recognizing that their job is to manage their own their, their own actions to ensure the right kind of experience in the customer's part. And you need to know that. You need to engage your customers in, in dialogue about what it is they want and need, especially the great ones, the ones that you that you want to keep at all costs. And we better stop before we slide into another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we probably could branch off of three or four things we talked about today and do a whole podcast on oh, that. Oh, one, one last thing. Yeah. If there's, that, if there's one thing that you, if there's something out there that you want us to talk about or something that yeah. you're curious about, please let us know. Yeah, absolutely. And we would like to have some more guests on as well. So, you know, just like we had prior to this, uh, Sarah and Steve, we'd love to have more of the same. So anybody interested, please reach out to Mitch or myself and uh, the, the email will be in the, in the closing of the podcast. So please get, get in touch with us. Love to hear you. All right. With that said, Mitch, great time as always. Hope, hope to see you again here real soon. And thanks you, to everyone. You can count on it. You have been listening to Driving Change from ATI. If you liked what you've heard today and feel that you have something compelling to share with your fellow shop owners, we're waiting to hear from you. You can contact me, Jeff Berman, by emailing podcast at autotraining.net. Let me know what it is you can't wait to share and how I can reach you. Make sure you follow this podcast so you're notified when the next podcast is available. If you're unfamiliar with ATI and you want to learn more, you can check us out online autotraining.net. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.